Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.tv Community Podcast. This is episode number 5. I'm here with Aaron, Ricardo, Bryant, and I, and we discuss everything that has to do with pop culture, how video games and movies become these big successes like Avengers and Fortnite. We go off into tangents. This podcast is a good listen. I, I, I know you guys will love it. So let's get right into the podcast. All right, on topic. All right. Yeah, all right. Well, it's a bit of a topic, isn't it? It It is a topic. Yeah, I mean, it is. So we can go back to it. (laughs) How does this become so big? Take it easy. How did the issue survive? What was that? How does something like that become so big? Yeah, it's funny that in 2008, just filming an Iron Man movie was a big risk. And now one of the most famous movies in the MCU was about a a raccoon, a tree, (laughs) a green woman. The movie was so good. Like, I I watched it so many times. The second one was like, it was just, it was good, but not as good as the first one. At least my eyes. But... The first one is better to watch if you haven't watched yeah. any MCU movies. The second one is more... A bit of soundtrack. We see a lot of this kind of stuff happening more as writers in film and television have started to get to the point where they recognize that audiences are smart enough to follow a storyline for years and years and get involved in well-developed characters and things like that. So yeah. Game of Thrones season three was on last night as well. And, you know, that was the big fight between the White Walkers. And, you know, I won't spoil that either, of course, but, you know, you're, you're you're starting to see you know now they've got you know four more episodes to finish the entire storyline of you know the the retaking of the iron throne or whatever Mm -hmm. you know whatever happens but you know we're talking about eight years of television as well and you know comparatively maybe game of thrones is probably about the same amount of hours as as the infinity war saga right i I think the infinity war saga has probably got it beat by a little bit because you know let's see we got 10 seasons at 45 minutes each so 450 minutes oh boy that's going to be math never mind (laughs) i'm not going to try and figure that out (laughs) i'd have to write a program to figure it out but uh you know the truth is that you know hundreds of characters and you know and deep complex intertwining storylines and things like that that's the way that you know story writers are starting to develop these things and we even see it in video games as well and to to a lesser degree one of the employees at valve was mark laidlaw we hired him he was a book writer we hired him to write the story of half-life that was a core hire for making that game Mm-hmm. You need people who can, you know, who can who can build those storylines and and develop, you know, characters and character arcs and, you know, get people involved in them. And, you know, it's an emotional investment. I mean, I, I had to hold back tears and there were plenty of people in the movie theater sobbing throughout the entire end game. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people that were, you know, jumping out of their chairs screaming. Yeah. When, you know, great things happened. And you see the same kinds of stuff, you know, when you're watching know shows like game of thrones it's 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 a recognition that that audiences are smarter than maybe story writers or or filmmakers or television producers have thought in the past yeah. when people get really connected to those characters they want to know everything they'll go research all that history and 
mm-hmm. stuff that you wouldn't even want to bother. And they know yeah, that. even yeah, not even the just the characters, but the universe. I I'm finishing now the Marvel Netflix series, and they have no real connection with the rest of the MCU, but they're in the same universe. They're always living in the shadow of the invasion of New York. You're talking about the Defenders stuff? Yeah. And Iron Fist and uh, Jessica Jones and, and all of those? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Jessica Jones, <laughs> it's one of the funniest series for me because I hate that actress. <laughs> I really like the series. So I have to watch a series I like where the main character, I want to punch her. Why do you hate her? I don't know. I hate her face. I don't know. Mm, makes sense. I find her annoying. <laughs> Why do you think Fortnite is so big compared to like PUBG or because I mean it was big, but like Fortnite took the world by storm. Yeah. We got athletes doing dances. Yeah, it had a ton to do with accessibility, right? PUBG's yeah, not easy to run, and it's free. Free, free always free helps. It's like Hearthstone, you know. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, weren't we? About how I didn't play Fortnite until i mean i didn't play fortnite after it became yeah the battle royale game i played it before then Mm -hmm. when it was the zombie invasion stuff and i really enjoyed it i thought it was fun it was it it had some balance issues but you know it was it wasn't a terrible game (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll leave it at that yeah (laughs) and i heard it was being made for like 11 years or something like that a really long time and then fortnite yeah and then as it was about to come out, like the zombie crave went away. And then they were like, hold on. We like a battle royale. Boom. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I tell the story of Fortnite every so often. It, it's, I, I don't know how long it's really been being made for. When I first read an article on it, it actually started off as an internal project for Epic. And it was really built for them to showcase new engine features internally and they had built basically the whole fortnite framework to showcase like when they added just new engine features and at one point they kind of turned around and said we can make a game out of this and that's when they kind of turned it into a game. So I don't know if it's fair to actually say it's been de- being developed for 10 years because I think for probably a vast majority of those it was no nothing more than just like a skunk work project in house that they just used, but it wasn't really ever meant to be a public viewed game. Mm-hmm. And then they decided we'll make it a public game. Well, why not? Yeah. Okay. Well, that could explain a couple of reasons why it wasn't, didn't feel like it was complete. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the only real problem that I had with it was that you really had to play with the team in order to accomplish certain things. And since it wasn't greatly popular, it was sometimes difficult to pull together a team to like accomplish your you know, end of end of stage missions where you have to defend you know, your home base. And then the other thing that was slightly annoying was that you had to spend a lot of time just running missions to farm mats so that you could build your home base. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a multiplayer game. You don't have friends to play with. Yeah, it's an easy problem to run into when making a game. Yeah, for sure. If you want to make a co-op game, it's gonna be a ton of fun. It needs to be popular. Yeah, so well, I, I I think it stays popular because of the kind of space that it sits in. So I I enjoy playing like your more MMO style games where you kind of get invested for. Yeah, 
hundreds of hours into making a base or whatnot just to have someone destroy it, right? These games aren't following that model. They're kind of easier to pick up and put down. Um, you know, it's a negative. I'll, you know, I played Ark, and I didn't play Rust that much, but Ark, Atlas, Conan, those kind of games, and, and you can kind of get absorbed. And I'll be honest, I don't have that kind of time. I mean, you have people yeah. that are like, oh, well, we'll organize this. We'll have a Facebook group for our team. And it's just like, well, guys, this is a game. This isn't a life for me. And, and you know, there has to be some boundaries. But something like Fortnite, you can play for an hour and have fun and go off. It's not like your world collapses because you're not online, where some of these games, you know, that happens. Yeah, I met this guy that used to play Dota and a game can be from like 30 minutes to over an hour but he hits kids you know it's kind of right. hard to settle down your baby to play a one plus hour match right that's exactly it right i have two little kids too so it's like you know i can do odd hour stuff but again i'm not like the guys i'm playing with now they'll be up all night playing the game like <laughs> i gotta work tomorrow <laughs> Yeah, adulting happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't really play, you know, many games because when I do have some free time, I'm usually studying how to make games. <laughs> right. That's, that's the other right. side, right? What's more important. Yeah, that's the point I'm, I am right now as well. So we've got all kinds of uh, properties ending this year. That's kind of like the end of... The end of nerds like revolution here. I mean, you know, next year is 2020. We've got the end of Star Wars. We've got the end of the first, you know, Infinity War saga from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've got the end of Game of Thrones. We've got. Yeah. I'm sure there are others. It's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the next decade will hold. What do you think that will be? What do you think the next big fad will be? Phase I four. think they'll reboot one of those. <laughs> Honestly, I really do. Uh, I, I don't I think, think it, I, it'll probably be Marvel. It'll be, or you know. Well, Marvel has another phase. They're taking a year break. Yeah, there's phase four. There's uh, well, or DC or any of them. I think they'll. they'll Marvel's going to be soon. having the last season of Agents of Shield this year as well. Yeah, which I, I think is going to wrap up some of those storylines on that side as well. You know, we've cool so Well, no. So video what I'm. What I'm saying is more along the lines of, of like, you know, so we had this big zombie craze for quite a while, and, and we've had Superman stuff for a while. But if you think back to the 90s, it was, you know, it was a little bit more cutting edge or, uh, you know, like edgy, gothy type stuff, you know, like the Matrix and, and sure. properties derived oh, from that. That's so, right. so it makes you wonder, you know, what does the next decade hold? You know, each decade has its own identity. We could say that, you know, the first 20 years of the 2000s have been defined by superheroes. And, you know, there was, you know, when I was growing up, the 80s were, you know, a lot of pop culture was defined by Star Trek The Next Generation and this utopic vision of, of what the future is going to be like. And then we've shifted towards more dystopic things like, you know, the zombie apocalypse and, you know, <laughs> and we've got, you know, superheroes defending the universe against, you know, aliens. I mean, I feel like a lot of that kind of stuff follows what's actually going on in real life, right? So, you know, we've got China now has a, you know, a lander on the moon and, and governments are talking about like 
hitting Mars. And there was a short burst of, you know, that kind of thinkers sci-fi for a while with movies like, uh, um, Oh crap. <laughs> uh, interstellar. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and along those lines, uh, you know, the one with Natalie Portman with the shimmer and, you know, there was, there was a whole series of, of kind of, you know, the Marshall that shimmer one was like stupid, that. by the way, uh, it was not great. <laughs> you know, I watched that. I was actually kind of excited to see it. Then I got to the end of it and I'm like, this movie really had no point. <laughs> I want an hour 45 back in my life, please. I had to watch it a few times to really make sense of what was going on there. And I think that happens for a lot of films. So another example of films that, that did not do well because they were a little bit too complex was cloud Atlas. It was routinely and roundly panned as being a terrible film, but you really had to watch it about five times to figure out what was actually going on. Mm-hmm. Once you got to that point where you could actually follow, you know, these multiple timelines and these characters, how they reflected each other in all of these different settings, it actually is a really quite a decent film. But yeah, it's but a, little bit... a terrible movie five times. Exactly. It's too deep to consume. <laughs> you you got to watch it five times, then it's good. You got to no. watch it five times and then it's good, right? Right. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a, a song that you can listen in the background. Five yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and, and I am the kind of person who will do that. You know, I, I will sit around and watch a movie, you know, that's like, wow, this thing didn't make sense, so maybe I just need to watch it a couple of more times so that I can make sense of it, right? Yeah, but we can easily agree you're not the average viewer. Yeah, exactly. Most people are not like that. So, you know, what I'm what I'm trying to get at here, though, is, you know, so we've had superheroes and zombies and, and you know, goth people or, or whatever you want to call it from the 90s, right? So, you know, what is the 2020s going to have? It seems like oh. a lot of things nowadays are trying to go back. It's like, oh, the past was better than... Yeah, so I was going to say, I, I, I would imagine yeah. we're going to have... You're going to have Hollywood try to cram down an old topic... For at least the next two to three years to see what kind of sticks. Mm. And I would agree with you, it'll be something probably different. But I know for the next foreseeable few years, I kind of expect a, a rehashing of some old idea. You know? I think it's trying to show the clash between like millennials and the old generation. It's like, oh, look at the past, it's better. And then new people are like, no, this has changed, and this is how we want the world to be. That kind of dynamic. Taking Maybe, video games. I think, I think they follow the money. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, well, that's Avengers makes this much money in a weekend, don't be surprised that they don't think to themselves right now, tomorrow morning, should we make another? I know we said it was the last one, but when you make a billion <laughs> and a half in a weekend, should we make another? I mean, yeah, if it works, why not do it again? Well, I mean, there's the, also the whole entire thing about all of their contracts expired. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know what, though? It, whether it's them making more, more money or not, you know, it, it, when you look at the stats, I was just looking at the stats for it. I mean, clearly the international market is really what kind of bolstered their sales. The U.S. market did a lot better, too, but... I mean, their international market was a killing compared to other movies. So, yeah, Especially considering that they were able to release it in China this weekend as well. Right. So, I mean, certainly at the end of the day, I think if they, they 
they tack on to ideas that sell internationally well. And if comics sell internationally well, then I expect to see more of the same, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be fatigue for it. Go ahead, Ricardo. Yeah, uh, we've been heading kind of a trend of nostalgic weird stuff like Stranger Things and even Captain Marvel. You know, like a movie themed in another decade or something. And that might be a way for them to kind of throw stuff until something sticks. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have more um, video game celebrities, like players. Oh, yeah. Ninja. Start popping yeah, up in the next couple yeah. of years. Yeah, now, that's actually a really good point. There's a whole entire emerging esports scene that's starting to become much more mainstream. I think I had mentioned that like my one of my cousin's kids is has actually got a scholarship to college as a, as an esports. Like basically, he's going to college because he plays video games. Yeah, that's like, crazy. That's nuts, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, my mom lied to me when she said playing video games wasn't gonna. Take me anywhere. <laughs> Little does she know. Darn you, mom. Yeah, I mean, Sorry, you're told it wasn't going to take you anywhere. It was a, it was a generation early. Yeah. To yeah. Take us anywhere. Now you can make half a million a month with Ninja. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's that's actually another really good point there is, you know, the the advent of social media and the way that it works is uh, is shifting the market a little bit. I was reading something talking about how a lot of artists don't make albums anymore, musicians that is, don't make albums anymore because that's not how people listen to music anymore. Right. Now there are some artists like, you know, Tool where they refuse to even release their music on streaming services because it's just like no that doesn't work for us you have to listen to our albums in the order that we made them because we did it that way on purpose right <laughs> it's uh but you know there was a there was a show just released on netflix uh, called bonding it was only six or seven episodes and each of the episodes was only 17 minutes long it was uh it was a story of a of a dominatrix who recruits her gay high school friend to be her assistant. And they, you know, kind of explore and talk about topics of sexuality and control and social issues surrounding those kinds of things. Content is starting to get a lot shorter and the influence of people on social media and, you know, short videos, you know, Snapchats and stories on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all of that kind of stuff, I think is having a pretty, Pretty strong influence on on what pop culture really is. You know, we, we we don't we don't spend as much time dealing with the artists that are produced by recording labels anymore. Although there certainly are you know superstars and divas and all of those, as there always have been. But at the same time, those those old ways of of of, of getting your content out there and, and producing media have, have largely fallen to the side because an individual can, can develop their own brand and, and get followers and make themselves popular by, you know, by being 
brilliant, unique, you know, having something to say and, and just sharing that through their own, through their, you know, through their own webcams, you know, they make podcasts like what we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different world. And that's kind of where I was, you know, going with, with that question because yeah, you know, we just saw the end of, you know, these, these massive storyline arcs, eight seasons of Game of Thrones, 10 years, 22 films, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 40 years of, of Star Wars, right? And we're finally ending the Star Wars saga. But even Disney is recognizing that you know, they're, they don't necessarily you know, need to make more Star Wars trilogies, right? You know, the, the new films are, are more standalone, like Solo and Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like there's going to be a, a push towards more piecemeal-type content. They'll just... I'm just not sure, you know, what the theme will be in 20. We're talking about moving away from, yeah, from the, long the, the trilogies, basically, and, and standalone yeah. content. And I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, trilogies are kind of interesting, depending on the storyline. I mean, if you take something like a Harry Potter, yeah, which did well in the movies, you know, but it was based off of books. So right. if we want to look at what trends might be around the corner, Maybe the next question is what books are trends that are around the late, you know, as of late are popular that could be turned into movie series Um, or video games. A lot of that. Seems like a lot of those kinds of things get derived from young adult stuff. Yeah. Video games are tough. I can't really think of many video games that have translated into quality movies. Yeah. Ready Player One was a cool movie, though. Yeah, the way you do it is not to base it on the game, but base it on the game's universe. Well, I'm just saying, but can you think of a good successful one? Well, okay, this may be somewhat controversial, but Resident Evil has, like, seven movies with Mila Jovovich. I'll give you Resident Evil. I'll give you Resident Evil. Yeah, they're Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're not great films, but... They're not no, terrible it's either. It's <laughs> they're cult films. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I they're remember, not like... What did I watch? I watched uh, House on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crap. Okay, can't. <laughs> um, uh, there was another one, the one that was on the Look, island. I don't know. It's not a video game, but Clue, the movie? That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard it's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done, but, you know, I'm just thinking of, like, the movies that I've seen that were yeah. based so off maybe. of a video game, and it's just like, you know, I'm trying to think of the one. It wasn't Resident Evil. It was... Because uh, Tomb Raider failed, right? Tomb Raider had, like, what, three or four movies, though, at least. I, did. I really liked movie? the Tomb Raider reboot, uh, but, I yeah, mean, I'm I, a big fan saw, of Alicia Vikander, oh, so... Yes, that's a good movie. I, I, think I never was, saw any of them. It was good. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I wish I could think of the other movies. There have been a number of, of you know games based off of off of not necessarily just video games, but I mean there have been movies based off of Dungeons and Dragons, which all of those have been routinely terrible. Right. <laughs> it, but I mean it it happens. It does. Um, I just I I feel I don't feel like maybe the video games have enough. I'm going to say story, for lack of a better word. That kind of translates like a book does. You know, a book has more character development. It has more 
I would almost say to a degree more plot, maybe even too. Like I watched the Warcraft movie. Well, I thought it was done okay. Yeah, it's fun. Necessarily a great movie either. At the same time, um, yeah, that just felt that like be- they were taking their cinematics that they always do and stretching it into a film. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard to do because it's a completely different media, right? Because yeah. It's a different everything, right? Like space for the player to project himself into the character. Right. Yeah. Well, like you don't, and you don't necessarily see things always translate. Like I don't necessarily foresee, and I I haven't watched any of the Game of Thrones, but I don't know if I foresee a Game of Thrones feature film necessarily in the near future. Not to say that they probably couldn't do it. I just don't know if it would translate quite well initially. Yeah, I think it works and when you just base it on the same universe. So, like, the Star Wars <coughs> right. yeah, so game translate into a movie, but they work as games in a universe that has movies. Yeah. Games of Thrones was based off of books. Right. right? Exactly. So, you're seeing the rebirth of, of the Wizarding World or a rebranding of the Harry Potter stuff as the Wizarding World, and you're starting to see, like, you know, the the... Uh, what was the first one? Uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts. And then we've got Crimes of Grindelwald. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, how many films are they planning on doing within this, you know, new rebranding of this new, you know, cast of crew or cast of yeah, characters? Technically five. Wasn't it seven? Because the book for, you know, for Fantastic Beasts was actually just a bestiary. It was just yeah. a book about the creatures yeah. in the Wizarding World, and then right. they used to turn that, you know, while consulting with, uh, you know, with um, Rollins or whatever. Rollins, yeah, J.K. Rollins, you know, consulting with her and said, "Hey, you know, we can we can write stories about this, and, you know, kind of tell the origin of you know of Voldemort and you know all of that kind of stuff, you know, that happened before the Harry Potter films." Yeah, I can be objective about Harry Potter stuff. I'm kind of a fan, so. I loved both Fantastic Beasts movies, but I know a ton of people don't. Oh, I liked both of them quite, quite. Actually, the the thing that I was a little surprised by was that I didn't really realize how important Grindelwald was to the continuing story when I watched the first one. They didn't, they, you know, he kind of shows yeah. up at the end of it, and and you don't realize that like he's the main focus of the story, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest issue is that she's kind of used to writing books, and the way you tell stories in books is completely different. Yeah, that's a good point. And she has some kind of too much freedom. I think she needed some more assistance there because the books, you can, everything you put in the page, you can assume everyone's getting right. Right. Yeah, that's true. And in a movie, you can have some background detail, and it's not. It's going to be missed by a ton of people. You actually bring up. So the point that you made about about video games being about you in person, you know, embodying the hero of the story, is actually really quite relevant. And one of the reasons why, you know, these larger properties work is because there are 
character traits for many different characters that, you know, have human motivations that we can, you know, empathize with and understand, you know, the struggles that they're going through. And, and, you know, your, your point about, you know, video games putting you in that seat is probably one of the main reasons why it's challenging to translate those to films because each person gets to imprint upon, you know, upon that property, upon that story themselves and the way that they feel about it. And of course that's going to have, you know, often conflicts with what, you know, somebody else envisions this character was supposed to be like. So, you know, what you were saying about, you know, you could, you have to build it in the same world, but it can't necessarily follow those same storylines is, is completely on point because, you, you just can't tell those same stories. I mean, what would a story about Half-Life about, you know, Gordon be? Because you play Gordon, don't you, <laughs> in Half-Life, right? So, you know, Gordon is you, and, you know, you put anybody on the screen to play Gordon, and, you know, everybody's going to be like, wait, that's not me, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's like the Les Doom movie. The only good scene is the one where it's just a first-person shooter play. Oh yeah, Hardcore Henry. I don't know. Is that the one what you're was the last about? Doom movie? I don't even remember the last Doom movie was. Yeah, was that the one with The Rock? The Rock. I have no idea. I saw this scene in some reviews. Yeah, there's a film called Hardcore Henry that's basically filmed from a first-person perspective. It's about this guy that's like he wakes up, um, doesn't doesn't remember anything you know which which aligns with you being in the first person seat of the film and there's somebody telling you about you know you need to do blah 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 and i'm so and so and then he like goes to try and figure out who he is throughout the entire film but the whole film is filmed first person perspective fight scenes and everything with like exactly like you know the 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 gun that he's shooting you know you just see his arm sticking out in front of the camera with the gun in the hand right it was it was so, an interesting okay. film. I mean, yeah, for an experimental film, it was it was interesting. I'll I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> I just remember the good video game movie Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It Ralph. Never saw Wreck It Ralph. I did hear it was good. Ralph yeah, Breaks really the good. Internet also was really good follow up. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen the sequel because you know it only had dubs here in Poland. I kind of don't speak the language. <laughs> It should be out on the store already, right? Yeah, I have it. It's it's oh. out already. Yeah, so I have a have a look. And also, I think in the next like ten years, gaming can become the new popular cool thing instead of it being like the oh, you play video games, you must live in your basement. It kind of is. Because everyone's already. a gamer, now, especially with casual games like Candy Crush. Yeah, Almost everyone's a gamer. Yeah, exactly. Even fantasy football is a game, technically. So maybe the next big thing will be movie studios collaborating with game properties to try and develop, you know, like a League of Legends movie, you know, and a a World of Warcraft movie that's maybe less (laughs) less CGI like what Blizzard did and more like, you know, big blockbuster production type stuff. Maybe it's like choose your own ending. So like oh, did any of you see Bandersnatch? Yeah. Black Mirror Bandersnatch? Mm-hmm. So are we allowed to spoil that one at this point? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I thought... Yeah, well, one of the things that I thought, thought was really fascinating about that film is that it doesn't matter what choices you make, which is the entire point of the film. It's, like, totally meta. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. in that the the point of the story is that no matter what choices you make, it always ends up the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you so you get all kinds of choices that you can make, and there are even places where you can kind of get stuck in loops and just go through the same portion of the story over and over yeah. again. But then when you finally make a different choice, eventually you always get led to the same ending, which I thought was just like, and and that was kind of the point of the story as well, is that it's like, it was almost like there is no free will. You will always end up, (laughs) even though, (laughs) you know, you, you are, you are given this apparent choice throughout the entire film, right? (laughs) It's like the, like, what did I just experience? Like, what? Cause it's like the Bear Grylls series on Netflix. What? Bear Grylls? Yeah, they have a Bear Grylls game slash series on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, just different choices. Yeah. Like, they want to go up the river or through the forest. But that's exciting, especially like with VR. Eventually you'll have movies where you're... Yeah. That on VR basically a game that you're experiencing it. There was a please download this app and you can play along like a video game in the theater during the pre like pre previews section for Endgame. I didn't bother to download the app and most of the people around me that were sitting there all said the same thing. It's like I'm not gonna download this app just to just to do this thing. But it looked actually pretty interesting i mean it wasn't anything super special it was augmented reality you point your camera at the screen and they had a background on the screen and then your phone would detect the location of the screen and overlay a video game which is just like a you know shoot the alien space shooter type thing you know nothing nothing really really super complicated but i i imagine that there was probably some you know some extra stuff in there that would detect you know anybody in that particular theater that was playing you know for that showing it would probably show your scores and things like that on the screen i i don't think anybody in in the particular viewing that i was there was actually even doing it <laughs> but uh you know you could imagine you know taking those kinds of technologies and moving them forward you know movies where you know, everybody that's sitting there in the theater gets to make a choice, you know, and, and you know, the, the most popular vote ends up getting, you know, that next segment of the story. You, you could do those kinds of things. I think with things like Bandersnatch, it demonstrates that, you know, there is a way to tell interactive stories where, where you're bringing the audience in more to what's really going on, right? Get, get the audience even more involved than just being a passive viewer. Mm-hmm. Do you know create a smarter civilization? People more interactive than just just watching things. What was that's an interesting question? I missed it. What was the question exactly? It's more like if you were doing more and and actually answering stuff and being interactive instead of just sitting there watching it, will it make our society more um, smarter? Because they have to actually think. Yeah, but we kind of have that because video games are that. So I think it's hard to... I don't see every movie going in that direction. Yeah. Maybe serious. some. Yeah. yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. The video games really are our interactive storytelling medium at this yeah. point. So and seeing kind of that convergence of... 
Yeah, I guess that's that's really what it comes down to is that they're different paradigms, right? I mean, you know, projecting a film on the screen for people to consume in, you know, hour and a half to three hour chunks is very different from building, you know, a, an interactive story in a, you know, a persistent state world like Fallout 76 or, you know, an MMO like World of Warcraft, you know, where where you've got you know, thousands of people that are that are experiencing these different storylines in a fairly interactive manner, fairly interactive in that there's still a pretty, you know, there's still a pretty straight line to get from, you know, level one to 100, right? <laughs> and picking up a controller is like picking up an instrument for a lot of new people. Like I remember when I first used a controller, I was like, I didn't know where all the uh, buttons were, and I had to like look at my controller, look back at the screen. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Well, and they change, right? So, like, I don't use a controller normally. I don't play console games that often. So, I kind of stopped using controllers at about the first Xbox. Man, you start giving me the latest controllers. There's just way too many buttons for me. I give up. I'm not even mm. bother. Yeah, but yeah, I love controllers. I'm actually finally getting to the point where I can aim pretty decently. That that takes a bit of fine motor control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you're the same age as me, essentially. You've been using controllers forever, and now you're just figuring out how to aim? <laughs> well, look, you know, the Xbox One X was the first console I ever bought in my life. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll let you slide then. <laughs> okay, like, I used to play one, you know, I used to play on, on the Nintendo, the 8-bit NES Classic. No, but I didn't have one. I had one game that I would like ride my bike a mile and a half to my friend's place because he had a Nintendo, and I'd play. You know, I'd play that game and other games that we'd play together. So yeah. my first controller was, you know, the NES controller: up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, right B, exactly. A, B, select, start. Right. <laughs> That's the Konami code for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, it had an A, a B button, a select, a start button, and a D pad. Right. Exactly. You know, now we've got, you know, here's your D-pad, and then you've got two, you know, two two analog sticks that also have clicks on them, and then four buttons for A, B, X, Y, and then you've got a select and a start, and then you've also got bumpers and triggers. Yeah. That's a lot of buttons, I admit. That's a lot of buttons, yeah. But once you get into, you know, once you get, so my biggest challenge, honestly, comes down, you know, comes from switching from one game to another where the control schemes are different. Right, exactly. That's my point. I think more than anything. I, so, you know, I, I, it depends on what genre of games you enjoy playing, too. And I just, you know, haven't really played console games for a while. Yeah, time. but yeah, yeah, sure. games in the same genre are, have kind of the same control schemes overall. They do kinda. often, to some extent. Yeah. It's, it's more comes down to, like, the key sequences to do, like, your action moves and stuff like those, because those always change in every game. Sure. Yeah, I think the genre that has the most differentiation between games in terms of control schemes is fighting games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, that's kind of what just, Brian was talking about. It, yeah, it's one thing if you're just playing it and your keys just kind of change views and stuff. That's, you know, those are easy enough to remember for the most part. I I'll just, admit, yeah. I loved Tony Hawk because it didn't really matter what buttons you pressed. You right. just jumped into the air, and then you just smashed all of the buttons until something cool happened. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there were actually legit sequences to do all of the different kinds of things, and people that were really good at that stuff knew how to do it. But, you know, I never even cared. I was just like, look at my guy flipping through the air. How cool is that? 
I, that I was guess the enjoyment the, of the game. <laughs> I guess at the end of the day, I would ask this question. Did adding more buttons really improve gameplay or the gaming experience? I would say yes. I find even controllers to be somewhat limited on keys. I, okay. I would not I would not be disappointed if we got a W and a C button on an Xbox controller. A B C W X Y or X Y Z, right? I, um, I wouldn't I be disappointed I... by that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean I may be, you know, unique in that particular perspective. <laughs> I think we're we're at the point that adding more buttons to a controller is not gonna work that well. And we might be moving away from center controllers for mini games, right? Sure. And I mean, there's other things that you can do with buttons, too. So, I mean, aside from, you know, aside from pressing the button, you've got press the button twice. You've got press and hold the button. So, I mean, you take, like, the Fallout control scheme, for example. You know, the, the B button, by default, you know, does one thing. But if you press and hold it, it does the opposite of that thing that you get from tapping it. So, like, one of them is ready the weapon, and then the other one is unready the weapon. Right, so tap it to ready the weapon, press and hold to unready it, or you know, whatever. I, I don't remember it because I don't actually remember the schemes. My hands remember the controls that yeah. I need to do to make it do right. what I needed to do. You know, but but I mean, there's there's some alternative that you can get from that. You know, there's there's also combinations that they do like you know, press and hold this button and then press this one. So you know, there's there's plenty of options with the you know, fifteen twelve buttons that are on it to begin with. I just, you know, I, I'm coming from, you know, my history as a PC gamer, so I'm used to having 101 to 104 keys on my keyboard plus my mouse with at least three buttons and a scroll wheel, right? Right. So, you know, from my perspective, I'm thinking I, I could use more buttons on a controller. <laughs> See, that's what I'm I guess when I look at because I because I stay in the PC world for most of my almost all my gaming, I I do all my stuff with about ten buttons, anyways on yeah. most games. Yeah. So to cram 15 onto a controller, am I really gaining anything? I don't know if I am. Yeah, I, I, I always... Oh, go ahead. I can see only two more buttons that are usable. Would be like for your ring fingers. Like a yeah, that's right. Trigger on each side. Yeah, you could get yeah. inner triggers through your rings and pinkies. Yeah, I like the Z button. Yeah. That's the A key. My ring finger goes on the A key, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, no, so you, so you use you use the WASD, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I actually rebind every single game to ESDF because I prefer typing position. Which would I'm a touch typer, yeah. so my my pinky ends up resting on A, and then I can. Yeah, I'll usually bind something, you know, somewhat irrelevant to A, so that I can reach over there and hit Tab and Shift and Control. Right? Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and no, I and you're actually right. I mean, in a lot of ways, you're absolutely right. That probably would have been a better choice of keys long time ago. Oh my God, I could tell you a story. Yeah. I missed that influence by one hour. I so back in the day when Quake first came out and people started using the mouse. You know, mouse-keyboard combo was started to, he to be heavily used on IRC. The first person who released their keyboard scheme on IRC, everybody used that, and he released the WASD-based scheme. I had my scheme with ESDF out one hour later, and no one used it. <laughs> That's funny. 
<laughs> I could have changed the world. Okay, yeah, and maybe I'm just right. a little or at least delusional here. <laughs> no, maybe but I mean, you're absolutely right. Maybe an awkward <laughs> feel, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's hard to say, but, you know, too, too many years using the uh, other way, right? Yeah. yeah, no, I just, I, you know, in fact, like that was one of the things that I did not like about Minecraft. And one of the main reasons why I didn't play it initially was because you were forced to use WASD for movement. They didn't have oh, an yeah. option to rebind the keys. So I was just like, I can't play this game. <laughs> like I literally couldn't yeah. play it. I would find myself pressing the wrong keys like all the time. So how about a Minecraft movie? Huh? Pop culture there, right? Right. I'm surprised there's not one already. <laughs> but I, at the end of the day, geez, I mean, you'd have to create a story. That's like a perfect example have, where you'd have yeah. to create like, a story. Yeah, the you Telltale know. games. Yeah. Telltale went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So that, that tells you something. <laughs> I, I thought they were somewhat entertaining, you know, but they were more like, they were more like, you know, those kinds of interactive stories where it's just like press a key to continue to watch more of the interactive story, which is not really an interactive story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You should have done the battle royale. That's what they, <laughs> Minecraft <laughs> battle royale. Yeah. yeah. And there are battle royale maps. I, yeah. They miss yeah. It. I, I'm What's sure the that there so? probably are mods. Yeah. <laughs> Near the end. Yeah, but yeah. I say Minecraft is good to, you know, make a story because it's really free. You are the storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, but to just make a story about a guy lost in the woods, make it chunky. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And you have Minecraft the movie. I could see it happening in like a couple years. It's still gonna like be Lego better movie. than the movie. movie. I, I, I can see it. Oh yeah, Lego Movie is amazing. Everything is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think so we should end it. Every, everything and everyone is awesome. Everything is awesome, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> well, here's to uh, the next decade of pop culture. It's, uh, it'll be an exciting journey. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs>